0: been really uh, unique, I I realized when I was looking on our website the other day, we're creating a great resource for people who are wanting to really study the scripture. The Bible says study to show yourself approved, not just read, it's great to have devotions and we need to be doing that, turn the page, keep it up, but beyond that, uh, I believe it's really vital that we all understand uh, how to grow deeper. And so the, the resource is when you go back to study any book, there is a little ring, uh, Scott, up here. I don't know if you can hear it back there. But uh, the, if you go to study any book, then you can go to our website, to destinychristian.com, and you can see the awaken season that we've come, in, we've come into where we're being awakened to the purposes of God. And each week is listed there, and you'll see Jesus in Genesis, Jesus in Exodus. And what we're doing is we're discovering where Jesus is throughout every book of the bible. So when you go to read a certain book of the bible, you can log on, take a look at a message, kind of get the context of the history, the layout of the um, of that particular book, and it'll just help you when you're reading because my goal with every week is that you look at a certain book of the bible, but you never look at it the same way again. And so today we're going to talk about uh 2nd Samuel as we get into this and just be reminded our focal point out of this is John 5:39 where the bible uh, expresses how Jesus talking to the Pharisees. He said to the Pharisees, "The Scriptures point to me very clearly." He's talking about the Old Testament; New Testament hadn't been written. So we're looking at where Jesus is as he shows up in every one of these books, and it's very helpful just to evaluate and see uh, how Jesus is revealed. So Second Samuel, this is uh, pretty easy to discover where Jesus is in Second Samuel because it's really only about one person. There are other people, obviously, in the story. But second Samuel is about the 40-year reign of King David and uh, it's kind of an interesting progression when as we get there but Jesus is recognized in the Bible as the son of David so we see immediately Jesus revealed in the uh, type the type of Christ that David was uh, David had humble beginnings he was the least of all the boys and uh, the, the least expected to do something And then we see in the New Testament phrases like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Jesus had very humble beginnings, and the question was asked as he began to move forward in ministry, uh, you know, isn't this just the carpenter's son? Who does he think he is? So a a parallel we see there. And then David uh, was God's anointed, and think about this, David was anointed by God to address man's religious efforts that were embodied in King Saul and so Saul was all about the religious efforts and here's King David addressing those religious efforts that were embodied by Saul now Jesus showed up on the scene and he is addressing man's religious efforts as is expressed by the Pharisees which his conversation is what has uh, motivated us to to look and see where he is in all this but but ultimately second Samuel opens and just you know context and history of these books it's it's important for us to get a feel for what's going on I'm excited that um, in just a few weeks we're going to do our community group fair, and you'll be able to see various groups that are meeting. As you come into service, they'll all be in the lobby, and we're starting seven new Bible study community groups this fall. An addendum to everything else that's going, and um, and and we just want to explore and grow deeper in the roots of Scripture as Christians together. Nobody is required to be a theologian or a professional. Let's just grow in our relationship with the Lord, and so couple of those concepts with the book of uh, 2 Samuel it's getting the context of what we're talking about 2 Samuel opens as David learns that King Saul has died now you know the story Saul was quite the character and uh, grew jealous about David and was actually trying to kill him and this big fight was going on David was running for his life now if you got a job promotion at, uh, at work and so you're, you know, like the ultimate boss of the place comes in and tells you, now you're gonna be this person. Uh, this is your new role, and here, here you go. You, this is, go for it. And then they leave, and the person that you're actually replacing says, you know what, uh, you're not gonna take my job. In fact, I'm gonna take you out before you take my job. And a little bit of tension going on there, and then you find out that person now is gone. Uh, You know, you start to think about this in our own parameters. David was fighting for his life, wanting to fulfill what God had called him to fulfill. The King Saul was in the way. King David is emerging. King David gets word that King Saul has died. And he doesn't do what we might expect that he would do. He doesn't rejoice. He doesn't degrade him. He doesn't say things like, serves him right. He shouldn't have been trying to take out God's anointing. You know what I'm saying. Uh, He didn't do any of that. He actually grieved his death, and he honored Saul. Now, would you agree that Saul did not earn his honor? I mean, he did nothing to earn his honor. And and we learn something about Jesus as we learn something about David, and we look at this picture because David didn't honor Saul because Saul had earned his honor. David honored Saul because David was an honorable man and so here's the thing we all need to understand God has not called us to love people because they're just so doggone lovable how many of you know you and I are not very lovable sometimes God doesn't love us because we're lovable God loves us because he's loving the great theologian Dennis the menace is walking down the road with one of his friends and and he says, "You know, Mrs. Wilson, I love when Ms. Wilson bakes us those cookies." And his friend says, "I know uh, she must really love us." And Dennis Dennis says, "No, I don't think Ms. Wilkin, I don't think Ms. Wilson actually bakes cookies for us because we're so nice. I think she bakes cookies for us because she's so nice. How, I mean, you know, when somebody is kind to you, it's easy to give them kindness. But when somebody is unkind to you you have to give them what God gave you instead of what they gave you. And I, I was having a conversation, Tracy and the girls and I, we're going to introduce you to a uh, pastor, Steve Upple is his name, and I believe God crossed our paths to connect them. He pastors a church in England. Joe Gascoigne is attending his church, the intern that came for a year with us. But uh, Steve, Pastor Steve said something It was really unique as we were talking. He said, you know, because they don't tip much in England. And he goes, uh, you know, with, with our kids, we want them to know that we're gonna tip a waiter or a waitress regardless of their service to us. That's very contrary to us. We want our waiters and waitresses to earn it, don't we? But it was a really great concept, and it's very challenging to me uh, because I've been a real jerk about this in times past. One time, a waiter was so sorry, I wanted them to know it was terrible. Years ago, like when Chilinos, you could park on the dirt in the alley behind it. Anybody remember those days? back before the canal uh, happened. And so Tracy and I were there at Chilino's. This is uh, B.C., before children. And we were in there, and the waiter was horrible. And I wanted him to know that he was horrible. And so I tipped him a nickel on the credit card. Man, I just let him know right, right. Hey, you know That wasn't a very honorable thing to do. Don't look at me like I'm that terrible. You know you've done the same thing in different ways. And so here's the, here's the thing. This guy's saying we want our kids to know that we're gonna honor because not they've earned our honor, but because we're honorable people. And we see that with David, don't we? It's an amazing realization of how David handles such a thing. And, and this really what this boils down to is a challenge between our flesh and our spirit, our carnal man. How many of you can be carnal sometimes? How many of you have been carnal in the last five minutes? No, the last couple of days, right? We can be carnal. Some, I mean, it's easy to be carnal at times, and so we have to really work at this. Saul speaks, and this is your first blank on your card. Saul speaks of the natural man who has a natural reaction. But David speaks of a spirit man who has a spiritual response. So this is the way it happens. I was actually having a conversation with Mrs. Hamill in the school this last week, and it really struck me because as we were talking, I kind of... I said, yeah, it just kind of happens this way. And I thought, wow, that's a really good analogy. But how many of you ever had like this emotion well up? Somebody said something they shouldn't have said. Somebody did something they shouldn't have done. How many have been cut off in traffic in the last week and you got very angry, right? Your heart wells up. Some of you all of a sudden are deeply convicted. Your heart wells up that, that whatever happens, it wells up. And before you know what's happened, before from your heart, before it gets to your brain, it comes out your mouth. How many of you ever done it? Wells up in your heart, that it's out of your mouth. Wells up in your heart, ah, it's all over Facebook. Wells up out of your mouth, ah, now I've injured the relationship. You ever said something and you regretted you said it and you wish you could take it back, but you couldn't? Here's the thing, that's a reaction to something that's going on. But a response, that's a little different. A response, it wells up in the heart, and I mm, mm, want to say it, but I mm, clamp your lip, bite your tongue, whatever you have to do, don't say it, don't say it. Hold on, let it get past your mouth, well up out of your heart, past your mouth to your brain. Let it scramble around in your brain, then let it come back down past your mouth to your heart. The word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. So once it gets up, scrambles there, gets down, gets integrated with the word that you've sown into your life and you're able to respond by the Spirit of God, then freely open your mouth. So easy to have this natural, immediate reaction it takes great maturity to have a spiritual response. I'm, I'm not telling you that I have successfully accomplished this. I'm telling you this is something we all have to work on. Can I get a witness? <laughs> there are just times that we just blurt it out and then we regret it so much and, and sometimes we don't even regret it. Sometimes we're just damaging people and we're just not even aware. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to live our lives in a more mature and deliberate and intentional perspective of allowing his response to really be our attitude so there's this process and we see this in 2 Samuel 3 1 and it's really bizarre because isn't it true like battles in your life struggles in your life you find yourself struggling and you come to this place and and in the midst of it all you just want it to be I mean can this thing ever be over can it just be finished and like Saul dies and David's struggle isn't over I don't know if you realize as you're reading this, but the, the battle between the house of Saul and the house of David continues. It's not over. So we see this in 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, and it says, The war between the house of Saul and the house of David lasted a long time. Okay, before we go on, let me just ask, how many of you have been struggling with something in your life for a long time? Can I just see a long time struggle. Just hold there. We want to be honest for a moment, okay? That's a lot of us. We've been struggling with something in our life, just in all honesty, for a long time. Here's the thing. It goes on. It says, David grew stronger and stronger while the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Every day, I want to challenge you, keep growing stronger and stronger because the enemy will lose his grip gradually over the course of time You are not fighting for victory in Christ. You are fighting from victory. And the more you understand that, and the more you recognize that, the more victorious you are going to be in your life. Yeah, let's thank God for that. We are victorious. Everybody in this place, let's declare, we are victorious today. We just call it in. I have great news for you today. If you are struggling it's a sure sign you've not yet given in it's a sure sign you've not yet been defeated I gotta tell you man my younger brother Chris you know he's like 17 years younger than I am and uh, mom and dad decided to start the second family when I went off to college and and so uh, we didn't have your typical brother relationship growing up because I was pretty much out of the house by the time he was born and we did, uh, once he got like almost as tall as I was, then uh, he started kind of feeling the need to prove himself. How many of you know uh, that happens? And so he could look me in the eye, so he started feeling the need to prove himself, and so he started messing with me, and I thought to myself, well, I'll just hurt him a little bit, and then he'll leave me alone. How many of you think it's biblical to hurt someone a little bit that you love, so they'll leave you alone, right? And so I, I hurt him a little bit, like I gave him a serious wedgie. And uh, you know we wrestled around, and I put him down, and... and and, and then I thought, okay, that, that'll teach him right there. That'll teach him. And then, you know, he's, he's recovering, recouping. And, uh, and I, I mean, it's like no time. He's back on top of me again. He's trying. And it's like, I, I, don't, I, I could win. But if I ever gave up and just stopped, I wasn't going to win. You know, that's a lot like the, the battle of your carnal self. You can win, but you just can't give up. And I mean, just keep on battling, stay focused, stay in the Word, stay gathering together as the church, stay connected, keep believing, keep on, and if you're still struggling in any area of your life, just take it as a compliment. You have not yet been defeated. And like, Chris never quit. And I can whoop him. Past tense. But I'm always afraid, because he never stopped, and I I say gave him a wedgie, I'm talking like pulled the band up over the head, wrapped around the ears, you know, and like crazy. And I just know one day he's gonna come and he's gonna get me back. And now we're, you know, I'll change and it changes a little. How me know it changes a little bit over the course of time. And I said, I hadn't thought of this, I said it in the first service, I'm just scared to death one day he's gonna come in and pay me back, pull the depends up all the way, however, you know, take me out. That's just very unacceptable for him to be dishonorable, disrespectful like that. Within you right now, please hear this loud and clear. Let this echo in the spirit of your life. Within you right now is the power to do things you never dreamed possible. You just have to get your thinking right. Your biggest battles, my biggest battles, our biggest battles are internal, not external. And If we win the battle internally, we will conquer the external things that are trying to captivate us and hold our attention. This goes on and it talks about this continuing battle in 2 Samuel 5.10. It says, he became more and more powerful because the Lord God Almighty was with him. Can I just release that over you today? You're becoming more and more powerful because the Lord God Almighty is with you. Are you struggling in an area? You're becoming more and more powerful because the Lord God Almighty is with you. In that place of struggle, we gather together and we lift our hands like champions. You're becoming more and more powerful because the Lord God Almighty, He is with you and you can accomplish anything that He assigns you to accomplish and fulfill everything He's called you to fulfill. (laughs) Being saved is one thing and it's the most important decision any of us can make in our lives to accept Christ Being saved is one thing, but to intentionally live for him and allow him to establish the legacy of our lives is a whole nother realm of devotion. Being saved, accepting Christ, is a little bit like the wedding. But Lordship takes a lifetime, it's a little more like the marriage. So we wanna learn to walk that out in our relationship with the Lord. And what I want to say to you, this is such an important component of your faith scripture does not hide the weakness of our spiritual heroes does it when you read through scripture it doesn't hide the mistakes that people make it's very in the open this this is about the 40-year reign of King David 2 Samuel guess what's gonna be in there his glaring mistake and you can read about it in 2 Samuel chapter 11 it's a horrible mistake uh, this isn't just a situation where David falls into an affair this is a situation where David has a trusted comrade friend if you study this out you find out they were actually close Uriah the Hittite in fact Uriah is out battling and he's fighting and trying to protect the king and protect the kingdom that David is standing for and while Uriah is out fighting the Bible says David when you when you're reading all this in 2 Samuel you'll, you'll read this all this language but this is Other kings were off to war, and David was home. He stayed back, and one afternoon he got up out of his bed. Why wasn't he up in the morning? We don't know, but uh, one theologian I was... Reading was talking about a specific time of day when the ladies would take baths, and from his window, he could actually stand and watch the women take baths while their husbands were off. How many of you think David might have been just a little bit of a jerk when you're hearing some of this type of stuff? And then he looks down and he says, Hey, that one's really attractive. Why don't you bring her to my chamber? Has an affair with her. This is Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. Bathsheba gets pregnant. He tries to get uh, Uriah back from the battle, get him to sleep with his wife. He's so honorable, he won't sleep with his wife because all of his comrades are out fighting. How could he do that? I mean, he had to burn David. David then sends this letter in the hand of Uriah out to go back because he couldn't get, it, you know, get him to do what he's trying to get him to do. So Uriah, I mean, this is amazing. He, he takes the letter in his hand that says by his beloved king kill this guy and out of submission to the king he carries it all the way back hands it to the the leader on the battleground and the leader on the battleground reads this what could have been going through his mind says put him in the fierce part of the battle and once the battle is on draw all the troops back and leave Uriah out there to be killed I'd like to ask you is when you hear this whole story if you were the the judge and jury right now judging David, would you say he was innocent or would you say he is guilty? Let's all say it together. One, two, three, real loud. One, two, three, guilty. Okay, this is adultery, this is murder, this is conspiracy, this is amazing when you really see what all he had done. But this is, uh, we need to understand a couple of things about this. First, when something bad like this happens, you don't make a major mistake in a moment you don't make a major mistake in a moment. When something good happens, you don't make a major accomplishment in a moment. How many of you know what's going on in your life is leading you somewhere? What's taking place in your life today is going to affect what's gonna go on in your life in the future. What's taking place in your life before is affecting what's going on today. Your decisions truly do determine your destiny and if you don't like what's going on in your life today, I have good news for you change now, and it'll affect your future and broaden your path and increase all that God has in store for you. It doesn't happen in a moment. So when something bad like this happens, here's what happens. Gradually, somewhere back in the way, and it's interesting to study all this out and figure out what it is because it's very clear in Scripture, but somewhere along the way, David starts being affected and influenced and gradually, 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 Bathsheba gradually, finally arrived, suddenly got the blame. Ah, look what happened. Same thing for something good. When something good happens, gradually, 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 and then major accomplishment. And when something good happens and gradually, finally arrives, suddenly takes the credit. Faithfulness is doing a little thing for a long time until something big happens don't grow weary in well doing because if you will not give up you I'm just speaking right into some very specific situations and I believe there are people in this room and you know that this is a word for you today from God Do not get, I don't know what's happened in your life, I don't know what's happened in the past, but I want to tell you today, do not give up, because if you will not grow weary in well-doing, God can work you past no matter what your failures have been, God can work you past no matter what your pain has been, God can work you past no matter what your problems have been. His purposes are greater than any problem you're facing today. Let's lift up his name and press into his purposes and declare. His will be done in every one of our lives. Something amazing happens in 2 Samuel 12 when the prophet Nathan comes to David. And Nathan shows up and has this conversation with David And he says to him, you're not going to believe this. This happened. And he describes what David has done. David was so out of touch that he didn't even recognize the description of his own behavior. And David looks at the prophet Nathan and he says, I can't believe this. Whoever did this needs to be punished. And Nathan says these incredibly powerful words, that man is you. And David is cut to the heart immediately he repents how long did it take him to repent no time at all immediately and this is I was reading that one day and just thought you know it's like he was um, he just didn't even understand what he had done what was the deal and I just felt like the Lord said to me and this is why we need each other I just want to say we need each other more than we realize we need each other it wasn't that David couldn't see his sin it was that David couldn't see his sin alone And I just want you to know, you and I have blind spots. It's not that we can't see what's going on. It's that we cannot see what's going on alone. It is not good for man to be alone. We need each other. We need to be connected. We need to have relationships where somebody can come and just speak right into our lives. Just declare right into our lives. They sense something coming from the Lord, and they just speak it. And all during worship I struggled with it. Standing up here, I was struggling with it because I just kept looking at you, McKinsey, and the Lord just kept speaking this to me. And I, I thought, well, I'll just tell her in private. I will not tell her publicly, but I just want to say to you, you're in a place where we love you, we care about you, we surround you, we want to insulate and strengthen you forward. There are incredible things that God has in store for your life. And I just heard the Lord saying during worship, there have been these attacks of confusion, whatever that is, and I just felt the Lord saying, today is the day he serves. Notice on that, and it's broken, so that you have great clarity about the purposes of God for your life. We just receive that over every one of us today. Just clarity in our lives. You know, when we know him with greater clarity, we walk in him with greater certainty. I just, isn't it great when the Holy Spirit just starts prompting us, guiding us, directing us? There's a great anointing on you, Alberto, to teach. I just want to call that out of you in Jesus' name. Just be the teacher God's called you to be. The trainer, the teacher, the equipper, in Jesus' name. Do you believe God wants to arrest our attention and mobilize us to the things that he's called us to? Holy Spirit, help us today to see with greater clarity some of the things that you're just wanting to speak, reveal in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. Isolation is problematic. You agree? Isolation is problematic. I want to just make this statement. It's interesting. The more isolated we are, the more difficult it is to experience the lives God desires and has prepared for us. The more isolated we become, the more difficult it becomes to experience, I mean, I'm talking like fruitful, enjoyable, wonderful life. He wants us to enjoy life, have it enjoy life, have it abundantly. And I thought about this as a story, I haven't told it in years, but I I went, we went on a a trip and and Tracy and her parents and her sister's sister's husband, and and we all went uh, out on a boat in Florida And you know you've seen all these shark attack things going on. This was like right before all this started years ago, and um, and and that summer, in fact, there were several shark attacks. And and we it was all after we went, but we went out on a boat and had this guide. And this guy, I scuba dive, and they snorkel. And so we jumped in the water, and they're all snorkeling around. And I go down with the dive guide, and like we're going along, we we go, you know, we're all in the same water, and then we go off and we disappear around the corner. we're looking at this shelf and all this stuff in there, and he's pointing it out, and I'm moving and I'm awing, you know, you know, just enjoying myself. And I realize there's like a shadow, and I and I look and I'm thinking that is a big shadow, and I, I I'm trying to figure out where the shadow's coming from, and and as close to me as Cassie, closer actually, was a very large hammerhead shark. Now, uh, when I say very large, I'm talking about My guide was six foot tall, and it was larger than him. I was trying to, you know, because, like, I'm freaking out. Can you, I mean, just I'm I'm totally freaking out, and I am thinking about the movie Jaws. And, you know, the first girl swimming, if you read the book, it says, you know, she's out there swimming, and all of a sudden, you know, that's what we see in the movie. But the book says she reaches down and feels the leg stem that the shark has eaten. And I'm thinking about the leg stem. I am now not anymore paying any attention to my guide. I've seen the shark, and I'm watching over here, and, 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 and I, I, this means danger. Okay, and when you're scuba diving, that means if you point that way, that means there's danger. So this shark's going on, and I'm thinking, I'm trying trying to be calm, and I'm thinking to myself, you know those things on the mirror, images may be bigger than they actually appear. And I'm thinking, oh, thank God, maybe it's bigger, actually appears. And then I look at my guide and realize, no, he's much bigger than him, so this is one big shark. And so I'm watching until he disappears, and I realize my guide never saw it, and I swam up and I jiggled his flipper. I was like, ah blah 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 And he turned around and I went, Bla, blah, 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 blah. which means in uh, scuba diving language, there's a shark over there. To which he looks around me and he sees like a school of barracuda and he goes, Bla, blah, blah, blah. which means, no big deal, sissy boy. <laughs> to which I respond, Bla, blah, 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 which means you're a moron, we're all gonna die. <laughs> And so, you know, this shark is here, and and like, I'm not getting it. He's not understanding. So I am now using my tank up. And as we're going, I mean, you know, I'm looking. All in my imagination. Imagine what was going on as I was swimming along. And and I don't even realize. But we get back over to where everybody is snorkeling. And as they're snorkeling over us, and we're back in that zone, my brother-in-law who is of Satan <laughs> decides he's gonna play a joke on me and he is snorkeling over us in about 25-30 feet deep water and he sees me down there and I don't know we're back I'm still looking where's the shark the nub the leg you know it's gonna be gone and, and, and he swims down uses his hands and clamps down on my leg like the one that I'm thinking is gonna become a nub and i and all bubbles coming out of every part of the body you could possibly imagine, I'm thinking I'm dead. Oh, I go to the, I go to the top, get on the boat, and I'm telling them the story, and the guide's eyes are big. Are you kidding, I, that close, really? And, and we're telling, and I'm telling them all the story, and as I'm driving, as we're going back on the boat, I'm thinking to myself, there are people that are incredibly wealthy that travel all over the world have experiences way beyond any experiences I'll ever have and they have nobody to share that experience with it is not good for a man to be alone sharing that experience with my family and friends that I love enriches my life do you understand? It's not good for man to be alone. So the more isolated we are, the more difficult it is to experience the lives God desires and has for us. And the last verse I want to take you to, I, I just understand we need each other to help each other see our sin, but we need to see our sin correctly. And, and listen to this. This is crazy. Okay, go back to David, murder, uh, adultery, okay, all this stuff. Innocent or guilty? Can I just hear? Guilty, guilty right? Yeah, for sure. We understand that. Second Samuel chapter 22, verses 21 to 25 say, this is David speaking, crazy David speaking, for all his laws are constantly before me. I have never abandoned his principles. I am blameless before God. I have kept myself from sin. What? I have kept myself from sin. The Lord rewarded me for doing right because of my innocence in his sight. I got to tell you it's hard to reconcile that verse with his past. You agree? Like that is just amazing that that he could say what he's saying. Here's the thing, he was so in touch with God's ability to restore, he lost sight of the enemy's ability to condemn. And we need to not be so in touch with the enemy's ability to condemn, that we lose sight of God's ability to restore. Your final blank we are more sinful and flawed than we care to believe. We are accepted, more accepted and loved than we can possibly imagine. You know, I think about Peter, Apostle Peter. God used him like one of the most talked about preachers in the history of the world day of Pentecost, here he is preaching masses of people come to know Christ power, can you imagine how fascinating it was for Apostle Paul to be to feel used by God I'm not talking about when the rooster crowed and he betrayed Jesus I'm talking about just after that you get my drift it's like you're gonna have to get over the stuff you did wrong so you can be empowered by God to do the stuff He wants you to do right. I know you've made mistakes. Let me just tell you, stop rehearsing them. Why don't you go back and read this verse about 5,000 times between now and the day you die and just begin to say, you know what? Because of the cross of Jesus Christ and the redeeming power of God Almighty that David understood even in the Old Testament, how much more should we understand in the New Testament? All of his laws are constantly before me, and I have never abandoned his principles. How many of you feel like you can't really say that? David could say it and he didn't even know Jesus. Listen, all of his laws are constantly before me. I have never abandoned his principles. I am blameless before God. I have kept myself from sin. The Lord rewarded me for doing right because of my innocence in his sight. Shame off you. Shame off you. There's a powerful verse that has been one of the key verses for me in conquering condemnation and living in the righteousness that he wants me to live in because of him, not me. And I want to minister this verse to you. I want to pray this verse over you. I don't want to just read it. I want you to want it. I want you to receive it. If you're here today and you know I'm talking to you, more importantly, you know God's talking to you. About an area of your life that you just want to receive shame off me then I want you to stand to your feet If that's you and I'm gonna read this verse over you and I want to release something substantial in your life today I don't want you to hesitate I want you to stand if that's you you know God's speaking to you about areas of your life just shame off me today we just receive this in our hearts and our lives over our past declaring our future Here's the verse Micah chapter 7 verse 8 I cannot tell you the number of times that I have declared this in the face of the enemy do not gloat over me my enemy though I have fallen I will rise though I sit in darkness the Lord will be my light do not gloat over me my enemy why don't you receive this deep in your heart just something planted in your life do not gloat over me my enemy though I have fallen I will rise though I sit in darkness the Lord will be my light I just want to say today he who knows you the most loves you the best and I just declare shame off you Lord I pray for every person who stood to their feet today There's something renewing taking place Joanne there's something Uh, of clothing over you today a clothing by the Spirit of God shame off you in the name of the Lord every person on their feet today Lord I just declare that shame that guilt anything of our past we suddenly begin to realize you are redeeming our lives in the mighty name of Jesus we pray I want to ask everybody to stand to your feet in agreement with these who've stood today Hiding our sin from God doesn't keep him from knowing about it. It just keeps us from being free. He knows. But he asks us to confess it. Not just to him, but to each other. Confess your faults one to another and pray for each other so you'll be healed. So transparency is obviously this important thing with God. So I want to ask you Let's just join together with a vulnerable heart before God and say, Lord, whatever you want to do, here we are. Send us, use us, take us, empower us, express us. May we become the men and women of God he desires for us to be. So I want us to pray a prayer together. It's important that we constantly come back and declare Jesus Lordship. Some of you in this room, perhaps you've not really prayed to receive Christ as your Savior. This is that moment that you need to do that. When you, We're all going to pray the same prayer together. But if you mean this from your heart, it's not the words. It's really the heart behind it. Acknowledging Jesus is who he says he is. And for the, for the rest of us, it's a, another step forward in the Lordship of Christ. And so I want to ask everybody join with me. And let's all take a step forward to become just a little more of what he wants us to be tomorrow. And a little less of what we've been maybe yesterday. Let's all make a declaration together. Say it with me out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, you're the giver of life. You came. You lived. You didn't deserve to die, but you died. God raised you from the dead, and you're alive today. You're the Savior of the world, and I receive. You're my Savior. Be Lord of my life. Help me to walk the way you want me to walk that your plans would be fulfilled in my life and your kingdom would expand in my generation. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Would you join me and let's just celebrate him. Let's thank him for his faithfulness, his goodness, his grace. He's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful God.